Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the St Albans Five Docs Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Sydney's inner west, following Jesus and helping people find grace, learn hope and be light. If you'd like to visit us or find out more, go to cciw.church. So as you saw at the end of that video, that clip is taken from The Chosen. I believe The Chosen is up to its third season. It's a fascinating portrayal of Jesus' life. It, it has moments of interpretation, as we just saw, that really bring the, the moment into three dimensions. I've really enjoyed the series. I've watched the first two seasons, and I know a few people here have watched it too. It, I, I thoroughly recommend it. Know that it is like a paraphrase, a very sort of significant paraphrase of the text, but it's something that draws you in, and if anything, let it draw you to the scriptures to, to read the stories that they portray. So I thoroughly recommend The Chosen. You can get it free on the app. The chosen app. Also, towards the end of this sermon, we're going to have a, a moment for comments or reflections. Again, this is really just a moment for you to allow the, the text and what I'm saying to sort of sink in whilst I'm speaking and then to hear any reflections that you might have in response. Any comments, any thoughts. They don't have to be polished. They don't have to be deep. They don't have to be thought through. Just any reflections that you might have in response. Maybe questions and then I'll, then I'll finish the sermon off. Okay, so that's going to come in just a moment. So, Sometimes, in an attempt to view culture from a more neutral vantage point, because we're all fish in water, I like to imagine what would happen or what would an alien think if they showed up. What would an alien think in this circumstance if they showed up? So, imagine an alien. I don't know, think of a green little alien with a big head. Imagine if an alien turned up on Great North Road, what would they learn about us? if they walked up and down Great North Road? Well, they'd pretty quickly see the butcher on the corner and the bakery and coals, and so they'd learn that humans need food to live. And then they'd see a cafe and another cafe and another cafe, and they'd learn pretty quickly that humans are addicted to coffee and avocado, or both. And then this hypothetical alien would see on Great North Road, get ready for this, Anytime Fitness, Plus Fitness, Vision Personal Training, A-Team Fitness, Stretch Lab, Jungle PT Studio, Bikram Yoga, Sultry Salt and Floats uh, Therapies, Kefi Pilates Studio, Fadies Boot Camp and Boxing, Muscle Gym, Sports Fit Health Rehab, Five Doc Sports Physio and Injury Rehab, Zeal Five Doc Exercise Physiology, and that's not including all the doctor's surgeries and the pharmacies and the imaging centres. It's all on Great North Road. I mean, it's a big street, but, you know. When it comes to what we value as a culture, right up there is our focus on wellness, health, and fitness. And for good reason. What's wellness except a healthy, functioning human person? And it's a good thing to be. And over the last 20 years or so, there's been this movement towards a holistic approach to health, which is one reason... One reason there's so many options on Great North Road. We are not only physical beings that need to have our joints and our muscles, our brain chemicals and the body's nutrients intact and in balance. We're also psychological beings and spiritual beings too. There's been this holistic approach to health. And in a book I was reading in prep for today, it was called To Be Made Well, author Amy Becker, she writes this, and it's actually mirroring Arian's experience this week when she saw the physio is very similar, not exactly the same, but in the book, 
the author writes, I told the chiropractor the story of my back trouble and all my attempts to cure the pain. I told her I thought I had a problem with alignment and I wondered if she could help. The chiropractor nodded. Whenever I hear the word alignment, she said, I tend to think of what is out of balance in your life, not primarily in your body. Health is holistic. Well, the latest book to make a similar point is this book. It's called Lost Connections and it was recommended to me by Layla. It's basically a book that makes the point that in most cases, depression is much more than simply chemical imbalances in the brain, though that's one aspect of the problem. Its causes, depression's causes are multifactorial. The author lists nine causes. We've lost connection with meaningful work, the author describes. We've lost connection with meaningful spirituality, other people, nature. The story goes on. To be healthy is to be well in all these aspects of our lives. That's a holistic approach to health. Which brings me to the question that Jesus asks in the reading and the question we're going to focus on this morning. Do you want to be well? Now, it's a curious question, both generally for us and for the, uh, or in the context of the passage. It's a silly question in many respects, but if you sit with the question, you mightn't think it's as silly as it first appears. So, for example, in my former life as an exercise physiologist, I was continually prescribing people, especially people with lower back pain, exercises that would be foundational for their health, and that I had to go home and, and complete those prescribed exercises. I'd catch up with them the week later and ask, how do you go with the exercises? And of course, like 80% of the time, oh, you gave me exercises to do. I never said it, but I was tempted to say, do you actually want to get better? But um, I'm a hypocrite because I've done the same to physios treating me and my dentist, my wife, continues to tell me to floss my teeth and I'm still not doing it. So I'm a hypocrite. Do I want to get better? To take the question in a different direction. If we know how good prayer is for us, if we know how good prayer is for us, it lifts burdens off our shoulders and gives it to the one who can shoulder them and who can actually do something about it. If we know how good prayer is for us, why are we so sluggish and inconsistent when it comes to our prayer life? Do we want to be well? Well, the same could be said about feeding on God's word, the lamp unto our feet, bread for our souls. Do we want to be well? Now, it's, an easy, uh, it's easy to forget how much of a priority it is for Jesus to make people well. If you've been a Christian for a while, it's easy to forget how much of a priority it is that, for Jesus to make people well. Um, the accounts of Jesus' healing people are everywhere in the Gospels. One author writes this, The way that Jesus both defines and defends his own ministry is by saying, healing, 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 and some preaching. That's who I am. That's what I do. That's why I'm here. Now, I think that's a slight exaggeration. Jesus says himself that his priority is to preach, but it's nearly true. We forget how much a priority it was for Jesus to make people well. Jesus really does want us to be well. In fact, the word salvation, that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for our salvation, could nearly be understood as healing, that he lived, died, and rose again for our healing because healing and salvation in the Greek have the same root word. Jesus wants us to be well. And it's a wellness that knits together body and mind and spirit it's a wellness that returns our whole selves to God. 
the source of all life. So this morning we're going to look at the barriers to wellness and the way of wellness. So in the passage we're in Jerusalem and we're at a pool called Bethsaida, or I can't remember how Stu pronounced it, but it was even better. And it was surrounded by five colonnades, five covered areas. And this is a bit of a sidebar, but it's worth pointing out that in the early 19th century, as modern historical scholarship was developing, historians generally saw this chapter, John chapter 5, as evidence that the Bible can't be trusted as a historically reliable source. There was no evidence of a pool such as the one mentioned in John 5 at all in the archaeological records up until that date, and it was known that Romans didn't build pentagon-shaped pools or buildings, the five colonnades. And so they thought that the Bible couldn't be trusted. That is, of course, until 1888 when an archaeologist found the pool with five sides. And so now this chapter is actually used as evidence that the Bible can be taken as a historically reliable document. That's a sidebar. I mean, back to the passage. The pool was reputed to have healing properties. You'll see at the bottom of the, the page of the, of the Bible, um, there are some verses that aren't included in the main text because these verses are only in some manuscripts of the New Testament or the Gospels. But the belief was, as described in those verses, the belief was that an angel would come to the pool and it would stir the waters. And if you were the first person to enter the pool when the angel had stirred these waters, it was believed by those lying around that they'd be healed if you were the first person to enter those waters. And suddenly in the passage, in verse 5, the focus narrows to a particular man who'd been there for what was presumably his entire life or nearly 38 years. That was a long time back in those days. Jesus approaches this man and asks him in verse 6, do you want to be well? And as I said, it's a bizarre question. On the one hand, of course, the man wants to be well. The whole orientation of his life had been, to, to this point, towards being made well. He had an utterly life-dominating condition, which makes for a totally straightforward need. Getting well is what this man was about. So it's a bizarre question. But at the same time, the truth is that it's very often not that simple. We're not told why Jesus asked the question in this passage, but it causes us to ponder. Why would Jesus ask this question? Now, anyone who's lived with or worked alongside someone who has had this kind of long-term dominating life condition will tell you that sometimes something peculiar happens. There's a way in which they can become defined by their condition. And so their thought, their habits, their expectations, their relationships, their emotions take shape according to the condition. They come to fit the condition, to adjust to it, so that in a strange way the condition becomes a part of their identity. Maybe this was the case for the man. Or maybe the man had lost hope. And with losing hope, he'd lost any sense of agency. There was no use, he, he might have thought, for asking for help. There was no use because he'd never be healed. Maybe the paralysis of the body had spread to the paralysis of his will. Or maybe Jesus asked the question to simply rouse in him fresh desire. We're not sure. We don't know why he asked the question. In his wisdom, he does though. I think one of the points we can get from this is that there are barriers to wellness that don't include access to help. 
There can be more primary internal barriers, which we might be blind to, that can keep us from being well. More primary internal barriers to wellness. What might they be? So spiritual director and author, Ruth Barton, she writes how the soul, that inner true self, that, that shy, skittish part of ourselves that can tell us what we're feeling, whether we're hurting or what brings us joy, what matters most. The soul is like a deer in the forest. The soul, it's timid, it's cautious. It waits for a quiet moment to emerge. And so one internal barrier to wellness is living in a constant state of distraction. Food, online shopping, Instagram, filling quiet moments with podcasts, working long days or watching mindless television. Distraction is one way to never get to the bottom of our pain, our sadness, or our emptiness. Unlike physical pain, which is very difficult to ignore, if we're distracted all the time, we might never hear the more timid, deeper part of us telling us that we're not well. And that can be a barrier to well-being, distraction. Or maybe another internal barrier might be shame. We have a deep instinct to cover hurts and pains Part of us, parts of us that need healing. We, we want to cover them like clothes. We don't want to see them ourselves. We don't want other people to see them. We don't want them to be exposed. And so we might treat physical symptoms with different forms of medication, but avoid the wound. One psychiatrist writes that medications rarely heals the pain. Medication ought to simply alleviate your pain enough to open up a space for the deeper healing to begin. But shame can keep us from wanting to go there and so never finding healing. So the question Jesus asks is worth us pondering, do we want to be well? There can be internal barriers that stop us. It's worth us asking, do we want to be well? It's easy to brush off the question, but there could be more going on underneath the surface. So that's the barriers to wellness. So now the the way of wellness. So there's irony in the passage. The sick man assumes he doesn't have access to the thing that will make him well. And so verse 7, the sick man says, Sir, I've no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. The sick man has a terrible physical condition. It would have dominated his life, as I said. But underneath that, or maybe alongside that, is a sickness of the soul. The paralytic isn't looking at Jesus and saying, you're where my healing lies. He's saying, please help me to get to that which will heal me. Jesus is a means to an end. He thinks, I need to get to the water. He thinks he doesn't have access. This is the deeper spiritual problem. And then we read of a really intriguing dialogue in verse 14. Later, Jesus found the man in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin any more so that nothing worse happens to you. Now this verse isn't suggesting that the man's sickness is a direct result of sin. Like karma, so that if, if someone sins, we can assume, uh, if someone's unwell, we can assume that they've sinned. It's, it's not like that, according to the Bible. The Bible is very clear. It severs that connection completely. And we we hear of Jesus himself sever that connection in John chapter 9 when he's talking to the man born blind. But these words of Jesus in John uh, chapter 5 verse 14 
they do suggest that unlike other healings, where Jesus says something like, your faith has made you well, here, the man isn't healed because of his faith. He's healed in order to move him towards faith. Jesus' point in verse 14 is, I don't want to just help you in the body. I want you to believe. I want you to be spiritually and completely healed, not just physically healed. And as is so often the case with Jesus' healing miracles, the physical healing acts as an invitation to a deeper, ongoing transformation, ongoing healing. The physical healing is just an invitation to ongoing healing, often with Jesus' miracles. That is to say that the healing often extends beyond the point of the physical miracle. And that's what's happening with this man. He's invited to a deeper healing. And just as our culture is embracing more and more the holistic nature of wellness, that it's not simply being physically in shape or functional, that's not well-being, just as our culture is, the Bible has a very similar take on well-being. Our theologian John Swinton, he writes in a foreword to a book called a Disability and the Way of Jesus, Holistic Healing in the Gospels and in the Church. It's a great book. You'll see his face there. That's John Swinton down in the corner. He writes this. Health in the Bible is a relational concept which has nothing to do with your bodily shape, the number of our chromosomes, or the sharpness of our minds. The most hedonistic, intellectually astute athlete can be in need of healing, and the most deeply impaired individuals can be healthy and indeed beautiful. The Bible has no equivalent word to health to health as we might understand it within a contemporary biomedical context. The closest word is shalom. Shalom is not the absence of illness, disease, or disability. It has to do with the presence of God. Healing always has, first and foremost, to do with connecting and reconnecting people to God. Holistic health goes deep. I don't know if you've read this book, but it's a lot of fun. Peter Wallenben, a forester from Germany, wrote this best-selling book. And in the book, he explains the role of roots and the role they play in sustaining the life of the tree. According to Wallenben, the root, this is quoting him, the root is a more decisive factor than what is going on above ground. He explains that the, um, that the roots nourish and anchor and connect the tree to other trees. You can have a tree that above, the, above ground might have a dead branch here or there. It might be bent in strange ways and not look like a tree should look. But the decisive factor is the root system. If they're well, then the tree is well. Now, in the book I mentioned at the beginning, To Be Made Well, uh, the author describes, there's a few books in this sermon, I apologize. The author describes her mother-in-law's journey with cancer. So the author's mother-in-law went through cancer. And during these sometimes horribly dark times, her mother-in-law connected to God in a new way, with a new desire to read the Bible and talk to God personally. So the author describes, we didn't know that the cancer cells were already multiplying in her liver, that four months later she would receive a fatal diagnosis, that less than a year after she would experience profound healing in her relationship to herself, to God, and to others, and that we would need to say goodbye. All we knew at the time was that she knew her own neediness and asked Jesus to respond to her. That simple prayer indicated her willingness to receive whatever love God 
want a God, whatever love God wanted to pour into her life. There's more to health than physical well-being. So Jesus is the bread of life. That's John chapter 6. That was last week. Jesus is the living water. That's John chapter 4. And in this passage, Jesus is the way to wellness. He's the doctor of the soul. He gives a wellness that goes so deep, we can live through every kind of sickness. He gives a wellness that goes so deep that we can live through every kind of sickness because in him, we're connected to the life source, God himself. Now the passage ends with a question mark. Will this man really be made well? We're not sure. After Jesus says to him in verse 14, see, I've made you um, well, do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man goes away and he tells the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was healing on the Sabbath. Now, the sick man might have told the Pharisees or the Jews that it was Jesus innocently because he knew that the Jews were wanting to know. It might have been totally innocent. Or he might have done it because he wanted to be in good standing with the religious elite rather than with Jesus. But the the passage ends with a question mark. Will he really be made well? Okay. Any thoughts, reflections on that? I threw it, as I always do, I just throw a lot at you and hopefully some of it sticks. Thank you. So the question is, do you want to be well? Health, uh, the holistic type I've been mentioning, it starts with Jesus and it continues with Jesus. It really is all about sinking our roots into the love that shaped the universe. So health is sinking our roots into God's love. So I'm going to read some verses from Ephesians chapter 3. I pray, the Apostle Paul says, that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Health starts with and it continues by sinking our roots into love, into God's love. So do you want to be well? I know someone who, whenever he gets stressed out about something, He does what he calls breath prayers. He closes his eyes and breathes in deeply, uh, in and out deeply. And so as he's breathing in, he imagines breathing in God's peace and love. And as he breathes out, he imagines breathing out his tension and anxiety. In and out, rooting himself in the love of God. And of course, even though wellness starts and continues with Jesus and the spirituality he offers, it starts and continues with him. Wellness involves much more than that. Wellness does include physical healing, which is why Jesus heals the man. And so to close, I'm going to finish with a quote from, I had it here in my script, our pastor Tim Keller. He very closely is. Um, he, he nearly is. He, he himself is fighting or in the final stages of his life, final stages of 
stage four pancreatic cancer, and he wrote these a few years ago, these words. We modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger, and death in it. Jesus has come to redeem where it is wrong and heal the world where it is broken. His miracles are not just proofs, proofs that he has power, but also wonderful foretastes of what he is going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our mind, but a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. Let's pray. Our great God, we thank you so much that you are, as, you are exactly as we get to know you in the face of Jesus. That you work for and long for our wellness, our healing. And that in the miracles that we read of, in the stories of Jesus approaching people directly, we see pictures of what you will do, do to the entire cosmos, including ourselves. We thank you that in the healing miracles we have a promise and we pray that you help us hang on to that as we all at some point or another go through dark times. We pray that you guide us and you help us. In the name of Jesus, amen.